1: Why would a woman run face first into a signpost? And what would make a man eat two tins of beans before his first marathon? It's the Tuesday podcast from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network, Irishman Running Abroad, with the legend Sonia Sullivan at Nike's Union Athletic Club across the pond, and me, Jarlath Regan, out here in England my level best not to panic about the remaining two weeks of our Breaking 20 challenge. Today, we are looking at returning from illness, specifically COVID-19. The urgency to get back running, to get back to where we used to be, can be very hard to manage. And the temptation to do more than we should is real. Well, Sonia is here to talk us through what every runner needs to do to get back to their best in the shortest time possible. As always, we will go around the parishes to see what our listeners have been running around the world and we will have Sonia's tip of the week and a full update on the training plan for Breaking 20. And as mentioned at the start of this, your most embarrassing running stories from the mailbag. Sonia, you did the shout out last week, asking people to submit their running stories. I've got two humdingers for us this week, and those two people will be receiving Irishman running abroad singlets because the new Irishman running abroad singlet arrived. Check it out in our Strava group. Ronan Wogan sorted us out. It's a it's a great piece of kit. Now Union Athletic Club didn't have their kit ready to go, but it didn't stop them. It was a massive weekend. Fill us in on what went down on Friday night at the Lilac Grand Prix, Sonia.
0: Yeah, well, it was it was actually the first weekend that we did have. We had a small bit of gear, but you didn't you wouldn't have seen it on the live stream because it was the warm up gear. We had a bit a few makeups. you okay. Call them mockups. Yeah. mock-ups made um, for people to wear. And I think that really got um, everyone on the team excited to go out there and run because the Lilac Grand Prix was, it's the first time it's been held in a brand new track, indoor track in Spokane, Washington. And it's, it's a, a new track is always great because you walk in there and even if there's an outdoor track, it's the same thing. You get that smell of a new track mm. and there's something different about it. New
1: car smell. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, new that's it, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, when you have some a new meet like that, there's always there already so many established meets taking place around the country that it's you know it, it takes a lot of, I suppose, um, a lot for any teams or any other athletes to kind of break out from their usual annual routine and go somewhere new. Mm. So. You know, it was a it was a lot of work to get people to come. We we our whole athletics team union had committed to running there, and um, I suppose one of the events that we hoped would drag a lot of attention. And the thing about Spokane, Washington, is that it's got the feel of a small town. So when you have something like that, particularly in America, then you can highlight, you know, the the event that you have on. Because it stands out, and there's local newspapers and local media, and they're just looking for something, of course, you know, to to write about and to you know get the local community involved. And uh, very different, you know, when you're in New York City, like hardly anybody knows. Like yeah, the middle of game, yeah. how on. do you
1: make a ripple? Like,
0: like there's not many people walking down the street, even though it's on. So to be able to do that in a small town is is great. And um, you know, then you have to have something that grabs the attention of the people and indoor track is it's small in small venues and it's strange because the stands are all seem to be down one side by the finish line unless you've got a massive big stadium but Mm. most of them particularly over here i noticed the stands all seem to be down one side and then there's nothing the rest of the way around the track so any crowd that you have will all be in the one spot and there was about a thousand people there And, you know, in an indoor small venue, they're able to make a fair bit of noise. (laughs) And I I think you saw the video when the the women ran um, the distance medley relay and everybody knew they were they were aiming to break the world record. And, you know, because they're doing that, it's been announced in the media and everybody knows what the time is that they're trying to break. And so you have four girls running at 1,200 metres, 400 metres, Ella Donahue was on the 1,200, Raven Rogers on the 400, Sinclair Johnson on the 800 and um, Shannon Osika on the the mile. So these are athletes, I mean, many people may not have heard of many of them apart from maybe Raven who got a bronze medal in the 800 in the Olympics this year and they're working together there's a couple of other teams in the race but they were college teams because it is a college event mm. and yeah running against the clock so when it came down to lap, one lap to go and they were within range and you know into the short straight of an indoor track and the clock is ticking over into the 30s 10:30 something and the time was 10:40 the crowd got really into it so it was very exciting <laughs> And then every everybody was into it, and um, yeah, it was the the be, you know it was the final event of the evening, and I think it just you know brought the whole place alive. And the the U.S. Indoor Track and Field National Championships are there again in two weeks' time, so I think there'll be a, a lot of interest now because there'll be so many you know big athletes going to that mm. trying to earn a place to go to the World Indoor Championships later in March. Um and Spokane is an interesting city; I'd never been before. You know, it was in Washington, so I kind of figured, oh, it must be close to Seattle. It's um, it's a good four and a half hours away by car. So I flew, I flew back uh, to Seattle to visit Sophie, and um, it was amazing. You're just flying over all these mountains of snow, mm. and it was a you know a little commuter plane, so it was flying low, and you know it was just fantastic to see it, but. And Spokane is also apparently the second most Irish city in America. I know.
1: You sent me this this picture of this harp. I was like, how is that in the middle of Spokane? But it turns out there's a rich Irish heritage there. And Shane Lowry also there. Really? What do you mean? You said you went for a run with Shane Lowry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hilarious. I was like, Uh... how did you bump into Shane Lowry? (laughs) You were just listening to the Shane Lowry episode. Absolutely the most uh, crossed wires that's ever taken place (laughs) on the podcast. Shane Lowry was not with you. He was simply in your ears. (laughs) That's unbelievable. I was like, when when are you going to get to the Shane Lowry story? You're like, no, I've been (laughs) listening to him in my ears. Especially on a week when you uh, spoke about it in the Irish Um... Times, about how you do take these people with you when you go on the run. The way you spoke about it in the text, I was like, Jesus, what are the odds? Sonia bumps into Shane Lowry (laughs) in Spokane, (laughs) Washington. Holy moly. This is going to be a great story for the podcast. (laughs) Not so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but we do have to tell our listeners that uh, why you would think that, you know, I would be going for a run with Shane Lowry around the golf.
1: Yeah. because, is he, because
0: he, he likes to go for a run. He is a runner and, and uh, no one
1: would have picked it, right? Yeah. he He's a big unit. I, as I said to him in the interview, just, just like myself a year ago, a, a big dude and he, uh, loves a run. And as he described in the interview... He just loves the break from everything that it gave him and that he took the notion, a bit like myself, that he was going to give it a go. And now he's a regular runner, loves his 5K and his 10K.
0: Yeah, no, so that was really great to hear. And I, I love, you know, listening to an interview with other Irish sports people and they give an insight into, you know, what they do to make them, you know, as great as they are. Mm. And it was fantastic. So I think, maybe, I don't know, have you ever spoke to Leona Maguire?
1: No, that will have to happen very yeah. soon. Of course, Leona McGuire toasted the town at the moment.
0: Yeah, she might be a good one for you. Now, I, I've met her in Australia last year when she came in, or two years ago when she came to play golf. It was right at the start of, you know, when everything shut down. And um, yeah, I've been following her ever since. And we we keep in touch over the Instagram um, so, yeah, always great to see her do well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great to have an insight into into what keeps her fit and keeps her travelling around the world.
1: Well, if people want a bigger insight into the Union Athletic Club, I have to say the Union uh, YouTube channel is creating some beautiful podcast, uh, mini, mini documentaries is what you'd, you'd call them. And they cover the... Uh, world record of uh, Ella Ella Donahue, Shannon Osika, Sinclair Johnson and Raven Rogers. Nearly within 24 hours, this piece of uh, footage was up and it really does bring you into what it meant and what it was like. And I think one of the things that really struck me was just how much a relay like that requires chemistry uh, among the participants that They really need to will each other onwards through their legs. That As much as it's part, part of the relay is running it. The other half of your job in the relay is to roar your head off at the others as they're doing their legs.
0: Yeah, especially when, you know, it's not, you know, you're not racing other people, but you're racing the clock. Mm. It makes it very, even more difficult. And there really has to, everybody has to buy into it and, you know, want to do it and to give everything they've got, because you really, you know, something like that, it takes, like it'll take them a while to recover from that because it can take a lot of emotional energy to get yourself up for something like that, because you don't get that natural adrenaline when you're competing against people. Like you really have to dig deep and believe in, you know, everything that you've done up to that point that you're capable of actually going out there and running the time by yourself.
1: Well, uh, speaking of running times, we are uh, one week, three days, 18 hours and five minutes away from my attempt to break 20 for 5K. It's the breaking 20 challenge that Sonia set me uh, a few weeks back. It's an eight week challenge in total. And I can't believe that we're looming and like closing in on that final day. And part of the reason I wanted to talk about recovering from illness, specifically COVID-19, is I know so many people, including uh, Tom Corcoran, an avid listener who got in touch, who was struck down with COVID just before his 10 miler in Dungarvan, loads of people wondering what's the best way back. Now, I was prescribed an antibiotic after I was Uh, got some sort of weird infection. And I've definitely felt, Sonia, the impact of that antibiotic, a kind of a draining afterwards where I thought I'll get over this and I'll bounce right back. But the return has been slower than I thought it would be. I was interested to hear before we came on air that you can remember the number of times you took an antibiotic on one hand, that you were not, not a fan of them. Was that something that was said to you by your coaches or just your own personal belief?
0: It's just something that I, saw, I just came heard it at one point. Someone said to me, oh, you should never you shouldn't take too many of antibiotics because you get used to them and then they won't work when you really need them. Mm, um, yeah. And of course, that's my thinking then is that there's only one. You know, there's lots of different types of antibiotics out there. And um, I don't know it's just one of those things, I think, if you take them, I think you automatically think that it's going to negatively affect you, whatever you're doing. And and I mean, anytime time I've had antibiotics, I don't think I've ever had any bad reaction to them. And in fact, one time in New York, I had a very positive reaction to them. <laughs>
1: really? I don't know
0: what it was. I was, in, I think it was 2006, and I was, um, I went over. Nick was going over to the to the New York Marathon. He must have had some athletes running, and I was just training at the time. I suppose I was semi-retired from competing and I was still running a fair amount, still doing sessions. And I kind of figured, well, you know, as you do, if I'm there, I might as well run. <laughs> and um, I, you know, at the time I didn't realize how, you know, difficult it is to get a entry number to the New York Marathon. Maybe it was just kind of getting to that point. And, um, you know, I suppose when you're in the inner circle, you can get little favors done. And I was given a number, I think it was number three thousand. So I thought I thought this was significant, you know, because three thousand meters was always my favorite event, and <laughs> I was given this number F three thousand. And um, the day before the race, I was really sick and I did I felt awful and I didn't know what to do if I should run or not or you know at that stage you have it in your head that you're going to run, and so there was a doctor there for the meet for the race, and so I went to see the doctor and he gave me an antibiotic. Now. I have never come across this before in my life. <laughs> it, just, it sounds like it could be a very dodgy story. And um he gave me this antibiotic and it was a, a huge like tablet. It was a really big thing. And uh, like I I was describing it as a horse pill and um <laughs> he said he said, This is not your typical antibiotic. This is just a one pill you have to take. You say you don't have to take a course of antibiotics, you just take one. Wow. And I've never
1: heard
0: of never, that either. But anyway I I took it and then I went and I had a bowl of chicken noodle soup. That's the big American thing, when yeah. you, you? If you're sick. And I got up and I ran the marathon the next day. And yeah, I didn't do too bad. I think I did 2.42. <laughs> not and, too um, bad,
1: yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is a recovery uh, <laughs> from feeling absolutely, like you you felt yeah. bad enough to take this antibiotic, having not really taken them before that. Were you... Uh, Were you uh, were you stunned crossing the line to see that time on the clock?
0: Well, I was just probably just stunned that, you know, I took this antibiotic at lunchtime and by three o'clock in the afternoon, I was feeling fantastic. (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm grand. I can run.
1: (laughs) You've got to get Um, the name of this doctor.
0: (laughs) But the thing about it, I suppose, then you kind of think, okay, well, maybe if you don't take very many antibiotics, that they can be very effective. So your body is more open to the recovery, you know. Abilities are the, you know, helping you to be whatever the the impact or the effect of them is more effective. It's a bit like drinking coffee, isn't it? If you drink it every day, Mm. you don't have that effect of, you know, being alert and waking you up and the whole thing. But then the other thing with antibiotics and I think Sophie had she had an infected finger there last week sometime. So she had to go on antibiotics. So I would if I know anyone who's going on antibiotics, I'd always say to them oh, make sure you take some probiotic yogurt. Yes. And, you know, to feed the good bacteria so that the, because obviously when the the antibiotic wipes out all the bad bacteria, it takes the good bacteria with it. Mm. So you need to build, build build that back up in your system again. And so, you know, that's a, a bit of a change in the diet for some people to, you know, make sure they go to the shop and buy some probiotic yogurt yogurt to balance it out and so then i would always think well if you're if you're balancing you know something that might be doing some harm to your body as well as good then you know if you balance it out with the yogurt then maybe it doesn't have that as much of a negative effect on you mm. as as you think they're wiping out because you're kind of topping it up with um with the, with the yogurt
1: well as they as i've been preparing for this episode and really conscious of the draining effect that I felt as a result. And I did take my probiotic yogurt, even though uh, it's obviously not plant based, as I've, you know, I've also picked up a bad dose of veganism in the last while of people have been listening, uh, which is crazy considering there's no history of it in my family. <laughs> and if anything, my parents would be veganism deniers. They've been giving me sausage boosters for years. The word antibiotic is obviously derived from this Greek word anti meaning against and bios meaning life and the medicine works by destroying the growth of bacteria which is obviously what i had but what it does is creates this kind of war within yourself and from what i'm reading if your body is using a lot of its kind of fighting power to deal with the antibiotics in your system there's you know there's a there's a an impact on that uh like increased kind of heat i felt as well this dehydration that I'm feeling, getting very hot on a run uh, as a result of it. Now, this is obviously specific to uh, antibiotic recovery that I'm talking about here. But so many people are at a loss as to when to come back to running after having COVID, whether they should run if they've been in contact with, say, their kids who've picked it up in school. Have you come into contact with athletes there who have had uh, COVID or come into contact with it, Sonia?
0: Not directly, no. I haven't really spoke to anyone who's had COVID and
1: told me about it. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, I have heard, you hear a few stories and I've read, there is some people out there writing things now about the running recovery from COVID and what to do. And I think it's it's different for everybody. So, yeah, I think it's quite different for every individual person and how it's affected them mm. and, and what allows them to come back from it. So it's it's kind of difficult to kind of have a general picture of, you know, how to return. But I think there's people out there who are doing research and they're gathering a lot of information on this, because there's obviously a lot of people out there who have had COVID, who are runners and who've had to take time off. There's some who've had covid and haven't taken any time
1: off. Yeah. And this is what I'm reading, too, is that like it really does depend on what your COVID experience was. Were you laid up on the couch or were you one of those people who was asymptomatic and kind of didn't even know you had it in the first place? And if you were somebody who was laid up on the couch, considering how much exercise or exertion you did during your isolation is the key to how you figure out how to come back. now. COVID or no COVID, uh, Sonia, you can tell us how you would come back from a dose and how, I guess, you're walking a fine line, aren't you, when you come back to exerting yourself, but not exerting yourself so much that you suppress your own immune system?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the key, really, when you're coming back from any kind of illness and it's, you know, it's different from coming back from an injury. Because an injury, it's kind of, it's more debilitating in your mind. You think it is. It stops you more. But in a way, an illness can too. And so I often find that when you're sick, it's more frustrating than when you're injured. Because it's like as if you think, I shouldn't get sick or, you know, I can get through this. And it's it's one of those things that, I don't know, it doesn't seem as real to have a sickness as it does to have an injury mm. that you can point to and you can sometimes an illness can be you can just feel bad and you don't know why. And, you know, it can be a bit of a cold and it drags on for a while. And and I think that probably happens a lot with me is that if I ever have any kind of a, you know, congestion type thing or a sore throat is that I tend to push through and keep going and then it it drags on for longer than it should.
1: Yes. And this is the thing that I'm I'm sure. Yeah. So so by by the books, they say seven days, no symptoms, then return to running. But you you've you're actually the proof that if you don't do that, it can go on and on and on.
0: It can go on and on and on. And then it just depends on how willing and how much you're willing to to tolerate it, whether you will actually stop or not. Mm. And I suppose the thing is if you can't get rid of something, then you eventually have to stop. But I always kind of think, well, OK, if you can listen to your body and, you know, you you tone things down a bit and you run at a lower level, then you might get through it. But then again, you might not. And then there's always, you know, this old, you know, all these old wives stories that, you know, <laughs> I, I probably follow those more than anything else. And, you know, there was always the thing that you, if you had a cold you go out and you'd sweat it out of you. <laughs> yeah. And that's like Put what you were saying before, how you feel. You feel really hot when you go running and stuff and you sweat more than normal. Hmm. And then you know that you're not quite right. But if you make sure that you come back and you have a shower and you, you know, wash it off you as quick as possible, so you don't get cold. That's the key is that you don't get cold. And sometimes that will work, you know, the head over the steaming oh, water. Definitely.
1: and yeah. Uh, I think all as all much as the shower it... as well helps. I throw a bit of Vic in the shower as well. It's it's it... Yeah,
0: and so these things, they're all positive kind of enhancers to, you know, what a negative thing that's dragging you down. So I think sometimes, depending on the type of person you are, you might go into overdrive looking for all these natural remedies that will get you through, mm. but will also allow you to keep on running at a lower level. And I think that's the thing is that you do have to recognize that you have to run at a lower level and, you know, not be out there trying to run hard training sessions that you could get through it. And, you know, you're just kind of maintaining fitness. You're not getting any fitter. Um, You're not progressing, you know, towards your overall goal. I mean, you know, I think you had a little bit of a quieter week last week and, you know, sometimes you might worry that that will take away from, you know, the the whole overall training plan. But I think once you recover from it, then you can get back into, you know, the, the final two weeks and prepare, you know, as similar as you had hoped for before and hopefully have a bit of a lower week when you could have been pushing through. Hmm. It it gives you a little bit of extra rest and um, allows you to have a bit more energy to to really go after it in the, in the final 10 days or so.
1: Well, that's that's definitely the hope. I'm going to include in the episode notes a breakdown of what I can tell from all the reading I've done around this is the consensus in terms of your return to running plan after COVID. And that week one, when you say you can return after seven days with no symptoms, as Sonia's just said, that doesn't mean... Let's go get it 110 percent. It appears to me from everything I'm reading that you need a kind of five week return plan if you've had a serious bout of COVID and that by the end of that five weeks, you're back training at the effort level. Number one, right, the effort level rather than the times are the thing to focus on. But we're going to get into a bit more of that in the second half of the show. But before we do that, we need to go around the parishes.
0: So there's three lads who are heading to the Seville Marathon next week alongside Trevor Cummins. And Trevor tells me that I've actually been for a run at one stage or another with each of these guys along the railway track in Cork. And it's um, Carol Jackson, who I've also done a hill session with in Cove. Um, And I, I see on pictures... I don't know why I'm not following Maybe I am following him. I just can't find him anyway on the Strava. But I have, se- I have seen pictures of him. So he must be on here somewhere wearing some nice, fast Nike shoes. And he's putting in the final preparations for the marathon. And he's hoping to break three hours. Oh, fantastic. And uh, also Rory O'Sullivan and Greg Doyle. And um, I'm not sure if they're all living in Cove or if they just kind of meet up with Trevor and maybe they are all in Cove I know Carl is in Cove and they, they'll all be giving me a hard time now when I come back in April and saying listen <laughs> why don't you remember us I'm like well we've, we've probably only been for one run together <laughs> well, well there's a of people um, but like, I want to wish
1: you want to wish them wish good them luck in the Seville best. yeah in absolutely Seville.
0: and also to Trevor Trevor as well we'll have to I have been following Trevor's final kind of week he's in the taper week now so he'll be really taking it easy um, running around the streets of Cove this week. But, uh, yeah, wish them all the best.
1: Well, I've only got a couple here, but uh, one is a big group. Barry Donnelly in Vancouver and the Irish Running Club in Vancouver said they had 30 members taking part who all listen to the podcast. 30 members in Vancouver taking part in the fir- in their first half marathon. And Barry did it in a very respectable time. And you can see the gang. They've got the picture up there. Absolutely delighted out in the sunshine. Uh, they said abs- felt absolutely brutal after 16 kilometers he says it was a struggle but they got there in the end so big shout to everybody there keen costello among them seamus mcateer uh, obviously listener of the year last year did his long run a sunday half marathon want to give a shout out to him as well uh yeah i think that's it for around the parishes uh from my side sonia unless you've somebody else you want to throw in there
0: I just have one more. I have Paul Campbell and um, he was actually um, giving me some recommendations for while I'm here in um, in Seattle to check out a, a nice trail. Um, but unfortunately, I'm leaving today and I just looked up Paul there now and he's he must have lived out here at some point. Um, but he is in Dublin and he went out there for a five kilometre run today and down around one of our favourite places. He might Maybe he was with you last week. Um, he was running around Irish Town and Sandy Mount. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. So, um, yeah, no, it's always nice when, you know, people give you the recommendations of um, places to go for a run and he was asking, telling me I should go to um, Mary Moore Park in Redmond. So I'd have to, along the Sammamish River Trail. Well, I can see on my map now where Redmond is. So I would ask Sophie about that if she's ever been there and maybe plan a trip there the next time I'm in
1: Seattle. Absolutely. Well, make sure to get in touch with the show. It's really easy to do it. Irishmanabroadpodcast at com. And as I said at the top of the show, Sonia asked last week for your most embarrassing running stories. I don't know. Do we read the do we read the first one before the break and the second one afterwards? Because these two are vying for uh, the best one of the week. <laughs> one from Elaine uh, de Courcy and the other from uh, Uh, Jan Irwin, who actually joined me for the run in Dublin. Now, Jan's story of eating two tins of beans before the marathon, you know what? We'll save it for the second half of the show. You'll have to come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad to hear this. But Sonia's read it and it doesn't disappoint. This is a truly extraordinary. Jan is definitely getting himself a singlet. The question is whether Elaine de Corsi's uh, uh, running into the poll story in front of a crowd of people will will win a singlet. The singlets are available now to our members. Just head over again as I said to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad to get the illustrated notes and double size episodes of our show each week. Uh, so we'll see you on the other side.
0: One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise.